0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 13th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The Federal Housing Administration was a key player in the housing crisis, but its role in keeping that housing bubble inflated after the crisis may be more important. Mark Calabria is director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies and author of the new report, Fixing Mortgage Finance, What to Do with the
1: Federal Housing Administration. In 2000, Fannie Mae introduced its first zero down payment product. And so FHA has long had a niche in the market where it was the product you got if you you couldn't come up with much of a down payment. And so you really saw throughout, at least until after the bubble burst, uh, the rest of the market grab away that low down payment market share. Okay, so FHA sort of had the 3.5%
0: down as like their sort of the primary product for a lot of people
1: a- absolutely you know and, and of course starting in, in, in its creation in the 30s when it started out with 20 percent down over the years it's gotten lowered and even then it's certainly worth noting that when it was created in the 30s the typical down payment was more like 40 or 50 percent so uh, FHA has always led the market in terms of low down payment products and that's really kind of been their niche now in the past particularly when when it was created it really was a sort of combination of low down payment but prime, quality credit. So it was really the A-type borrower. And you really saw a drift uh, in the 2000s, and this this got worse during the crisis, where FHA started to become a combination of very low down payment, but very bad credit quality. For instance, in 2007, after the bubble burst and and was starting to deflate, about 60% of new FHA borrowers we're subprime, you know, judged by credit score. Uh, and it's important to keep in mind, it's that combination. You know, if you, you can have uh, somebody who's got a poor credit score, but if they put a big down payment down, payment down you know, like 20%, 30%, generally the loan performs all right. You still got some problems, but generally it performs all right. Uh, and the same goes on the other hand. If you give a low down payment product to somebody who is a 780, 800, you know, prime quality credit, it usually performs all right. It's really when you mix the two that you get a lot of
0: problems. The first wave of effects from the housing crisis and arguably the second wave of effects from the housing crisis is behind us. But FHA has a very large portfolio and uh, they have exposure. And by virtue of that fact, taxpayers have exposure.
1: It's a tremendous risk for the taxpayer. And certainly when the bubble burst, FHA became – uh, you know, the first choice for first-time buyers, for, for instance, even though Freddie and Fannie maintained a very large share of refinancing, uh, you know, from 2007 till about currently, about half of new home buyers went to FHA, and so the current exposure of FHA is about a trillion dollars. It's got a trillion dollars plus of, of mortgages that it guarantees, and it's only got about a little bit more than two and a half billion to back that. Uh, in terms of economic value. So very small changes in the assumptions and performance of the loans could wipe out FHA. Uh, quite frankly, I, I think looking at the actuary analysis and the economic analysis behind FHA's numbers and, and its own auditors is a real good chance that we will have to put in somewhere from 5 to $50 billion in FHA over the next five to six years. Now, of course, FHA is not a private insurance company. If it actually – if it was a private insurance company, it would have been shut down already. Because most private insurance companies have to mark to market, you know, recognize the market value of their liabilities. Because the FHA is not. It's the government. It can play accounting games, which it will continue to do. Uh, but ultimately, unless we see a very strong housing recovery, uh, for instance, FHA's assumptions behind it, its claims it will not need a bailout is based upon seeing housing prices start to go toward 4 5 6% positive. And this is keeping in mind that the average house price appreciation for the last 100 years has been 3%. So the only way FHA makes this out is two factors. A, we see a very strong housing market soon. And B, FHA maintains a very large pool of prime quality borrowers. So that sort of pull-off of good quality borrowers that we saw over the last 10 years in the bubble doesn't happen again. Now, so in my opinion, those are two pretty weak sort of uh, reads to lay your, the lay the strength of the program on. Now, FHA represents to some extent you know, what has been the, one of the, the primary flaws behind federal housing policy, which is we have a, a boom and bust in Boston housing markets in this country every 10 to 15 years. And the reaction of Washington almost always tends to be, you know, rather than let the market adjust, rather than let the price clear, is how do we create a, har- a whole lot of artificial demand to deal with that excess supply? And how do we create that artificial demand by basically lowering underwriting standards, getting people into loans who couldn't or maybe shouldn't even be in the market. And again, we've seen this repeatedly. Uh, you, one could argue that the very creation of FHA was simply about trying to recreate additional demand for the, for housing during the 30s. Uh, and as I mentioned, in the 50s and the 70s and the 80s, when every time we've seen the housing market boom and bust, which I should also note, in the in the Early '90s, late '80s, after the SNL crisis, and after that boom and bust, we actually had to bail out FHA then. So this is certainly not the first time that FHA has gotten in trouble. Uh, but again, it, it's set up in a way so that anytime there's a housing boom and bust, we end up taking and transferring that risk away from the private sector onto the taxpayer.
0: FHA continues to provide very low down payment uh, loans to first time home buyers. That was largely the problem in the, in the housing crisis and the fact that they're continuing to do that seems to make it more difficult for the housing market to return to uh, that more cautious, larger down payment, maybe a 20 percent down payment that, you know, as you noted, was the standard coming out of the depression.
1: FHA to a to, to degree is A, creating um – the foreclosures of tomorrow if you will. I mean for instance if you look at the the number of number of people who are negative equity today. Keep in mind that during the height of the bubble FHA was 2 to 3%. It's over a fourth, close to a third of negative equity borrowers today. In fact, about 80% of borrowers who got FHA loans in 2007 are underwater. So, you know, this the, the strategy of You have a housing – falling housing market, so getting lots of people into loans with no equity is almost guaranteeing that they will become underwater and you will create incentives for foreclosures later on. So I think to some extent, if we had not had FHA, quote-unquote, come to the rescue after the housing bubble burst, the adjustment would have been quicker. Certainly prices would have fallen, but they would have fallen sooner and we would have gotten through that adjustment process. Uh, but in fact, we have instead created hundreds of thousands of new foreclosures because of FHA trying to prop up the market and do so in a way that was as reckless as the practices that got us here to begin with.
0: If Congress were serious about, in many ways, going against the interests of their own constituents, that is to say every American is, should be entitled to a home and, and some, some members of Congress think – Uh, if they were serious about winding down FHA, how would they go about it?
1: Well, there are a number of things that need to be done. And and, and two, I would say the themes are is transferring some of the risk back to both the owner and the lender. I mean, for instance, let's start with the lender. Uh, FHA provides essentially what private mortgage insurance does. But unlike private mortgage insurance, which usually covers 20, 30, at most in rare circumstances, 40 percent of the loss, FHA covers 100 percent of the loss. So even if you are a absolutely just you know, mismanaged uh, lender, you know the loans that go ninety, hundred percent bad or negligent. There's something wrong with that. So the first thing that we should do is move toward a market toward a market model that mirrors more private mortgage insurance, so that the lender takes some risk. And of course, this will incentivize better underwriting, better behavior than that. So it's important to keep in mind that this really does allow the lender to transfer their risk to the taxpayer. And the same is on the borrower's perspective. I think you need to go back to having a little bit more of a reasonable down payment on the part of the borrower. Um, and of course, at some point, we need to draw a line uh, in terms of credit quality that the taxpayer is willing to back. We should be very clear that someone who's got a 580 or a 600 FICO score doesn't have it by accident. You know, you, you, like a 580, you have to work at a credit score for that. I mean, you tell us, you know, purposely try not to meet your obligations. And of course, some of the public policy perspective is that you know subprime just happens to you, and somehow it has nothing to do with your unwillingness to pay your own bills. And so I think there's a reasonable question that we need to go back to what FHA. it at minimum go back to what FHA was in the past, which is a backstop for the market for responsible borrowers. Which means that those who are not responsible and who have a history of not paying their bills. Are Time should not simply not be eligible. So, a combination of increasing the equity requirements, increasing the credit quality, uh, and of course, moving some of the risk back to the lender, I think would get you toward an FHA that was far more sustainable. Now, of course, it's important to keep in mind that there's nothing that FHA does that the private sector doesn't do already. So, ultimately, the objective should be to hand those functions back to the private sector completely.
0: Mark Calabria is director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies and author of the new report, Fixing Mortgage Finance, What to Do with the Federal Housing Administration. You can get your copy at Cato.org.